His beauty is yours. His righteousness is yours. Doesn't mean our circumstances are, are going to be easy. Doesn't mean we're always going to be happy. But I'll tell you this, you can have joy that your heart will throb when you turn to the gospel and you preach it to yourself. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. The gospel says that we are unconditionally, unconditionally loved and accepted by God through the work Jesus did on our behalf. And when we get this, the gospel message, as we're going to see in our passage, ought to cause our hearts to throb and swell with joy because it changes our attitudes toward the circumstances that we face. In fact, the gospel, here's what I'm going to be saying these next four weeks. The gospel needs to be the lens through which we view everything. The gospel is the lens through which we view everything. And today, we're going to look at one aspect of it. Today, the emphasis is how the gospel changes, the change that the gospel brings. So let's turn now to Isaiah chapter 60, and I'm only going to read the first five verses. But I want you to listen carefully. This is the Word of God. Here are the words to the hymn. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. <clears throat> Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Look at that. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth of the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. This is the Word of God. Would you join me as we pray? And this morning, Lord, as we unpack the meaning of these verses and we see the light of the gospel shine, I pray this morning that the light of the gospel would shine in our hearts and reveal to us the reasons for our lack of joy and open our hearts and minds to your work afresh in us. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I'm going to say this morning, I'm going to say over and over again, the gospel is the lens that we view everything through. And I'm going to make three important pieces to this this morning as we open this text. And the first one is this. Remember that the gospel is about what God does for us. And in the very first part of this verse, you notice that the gospel changes our status. God changes our status. Look at verses 1 and 2. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Contrast. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. See the contrast. From darkness to light. 
And as you go through Isaiah's prophecy, you'll see how he uses that imagery consistently through this prophecy. He uses this idea of darkness and light. Now, you will remember probably one of the very, very familiar texts that we often use at Advent, that we use at Christmas time. And you remember the passage in Isaiah 9, that prophecy of the coming of Christ. For unto us a child is given, unto us a son is born, and the government shall rest upon his shoulder. Remember the passage? We shall call his name Wonderful Counsel, Mighty God. Remember the passage? That chapter, chapter 9, starts with these words. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. You see, darkness in Scripture, darkness in Scripture represents despair, sin, sorrow, discouragement, destruction. The people walking in despair, the people walking in sorrow, the people walking in their sin, the people will see a great light. That is the great promise. And you know what he's talking about there. I've already given it away. He's talking about Christ. Christ is this light. He is the light of the gospel. And you remember what John says in his prologue. He says, in him, in Christ, was life, and the life was the light of men. That's what he's talking about here. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. He's pointing to that bright future of God's people when Messiah comes. And there will be a change of status for God's people. They will no longer be walking in darkness. Now they will see God's light shining upon them and God's glory coming upon them. And thus, the Lord gives two commands. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Now, remember, the gospel is about what God does for us. What does he do? Look, here's what it says. He comes to enlighten us. He comes to rescue us. He comes to save us from the darkness of sin. He changes our status. We no longer are slaves. We become sons and daughters. Becoming a Christian about, is about a change in status. Passing from death to life, from darkness to light, from guilt to pardon, from slaves to sons and daughters. It's about a change in status. And thus he says, remember who you are. Last week, Claire, I, we were away, but I listened online to a sermon from 1 Peter chapter 2. And when she's saying the same thing, remember who you are. Remember what Peter said. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You once didn't have mercy, now you do. Listen, Christian, remember who you are. You're radiant. Because the light of God has shone in your life and opened his glory to you. Remember who you are. There's a change of status. Then, once we realize who we are, we realize what we're called to do. We're called to mission. 
Right now, we've got a, a group of 50-something going to the Dominican Republic. We've got another group we're going to send to Alaska. We believe, we believe that we have been called to mission. This church takes that seriously. And I tell you, we have every reason to be, to be in hope about that. Look at, the, look at verses 3 and 4. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the arm. Isaiah is saying, look expectantly for many will come to the light of the gospel. Now, I don't know about you. I really get discouraged at times. I pick up the newspaper, I listen to the news, and I begin to look around. And I don't know about you, but good night. What in the world are we facing? We, with, with, with our children, grandchildren, one of the weeks while we were away, we do a little camp with them every year. So we had them all up there, and there, there's a little six-year-old, two, a 14-year-old, 13-year-old, a six-year-old, two, four-year-olds. We were exhausted last week, <laughs> wiped out. But I couldn't help but look at those little ones and think, what in the world are they going to be facing? And you know what? I could be filled with despair. Then God brought me back to this passage. <laughs> Don't be filled with despair. God is at work. And let me bring it down to your life. There are so many discouraged and defeated Christians today who've lost their joy, who are going through the motions, and there is no radiance at all from them. What's the problem? We forget the gospel. That's why Martin Luther said, we have to preach the gospel to ourselves. We have to preach the gospel to ourselves. You see, he says, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. God is at work, and you know what? He's going to use us in mission. Arise, shine. He's talking to us. Arise, shine. God's light's come on us. Let's be a re reflection of that light to this world. And let's be encouraged because the gospel, listen to what happen what's happening in Egypt. In spite of the persecution, people are coming to Christ. It's amazing what's happening in China, what's happening in Latin America. And you know what? I am not giving up on this country in the West. You know, I'm not willing to throw my hands up and say, oh, well, you know, we, we just got to let those people over there do it down in Latin America and Africa and China and Middle East where things are happening. We just, we just you know, we just going to persevere here. No. We have been called to mission, and we have every reason to expect God to do great things because God is at work. And John Calvin wrote on this passage, he said that Isaiah alludes to the dawn, for as the morning star begins the day in one quarter only of heaven, and immediately the sun enlightens the whole world, so the daybreak was first in Judea. That's where it started. From which the light arose and was afterwards diffused throughout the whole world. For there is no corner of the earth which the Lord is not enlightened by this light. Do you believe that? God is at work. He came to the Jewish people first, 
And then the light began to spread to all the peoples of the world, and he uses us in the process. God's light has shone on us, and now we're to reflect that light. We're to evangelize, telling people of the hope of the gospel. We're to do acts of mercy, seeking to bring God's peace to troubled and disturbed people in the world. And that's why Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine so that men may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. Listen, we're the ambassadors for Christ. And I'm going to tell you, I want you right now to picture in your mind's eye your neighborhood, people around you. I want you to picture your workplace, people in your office. I want you to picture your schools. And I want you to look out there and in your mind's eye, start looking at people that you know don't know the gospel. A number of years ago, John Stott wrote a book called Our Guilty Silence. Our guilty silence. Here's what God is saying. He's saying to us, arise and shine because this earth is filled with darkness. And center to what we're doing at First Pres is this. We are not trying to build a great church here. We're trying to build a people to serve a great God who go out of this place in mission to develop radical, gospel-driven relationships so we can become a powerful influence in this community and the world. You're going to hear us talk a lot about impacting this community. Do you realize where we are? We're right in the middle of this town that's growing like crazy. We're the lights. Shine, right? That's what God calls us to do. And it's not that complicated. But here's the first thing. There's so many people who look at some of us Christians and they see us and we go around with these sad faces and we're always negative and we're filled with despair and it's always, oh my goodness, how terrible everything is. You know what? They don't want to hear any more of that. They see that on the news every day. We have good news. Let's give it. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation, right? Isn't that what Paul says, right? I'm asking you, right? right. Amen. Thank you. All right. Now, you're, now, now you're getting with it, right? Look, God has called us to mission, and he said, arise, shine. Now, let me take you one more step. The radiance of the gospel. The gospel brings great joy to our innermost being. Look at verse 5. This verse absolutely struck me. And I'm going to tell you something. This sermon is for me. Because sometimes in my life, I get all negative. I start, do you ever do the negative self-talk thing where you talk yourself into misery? Thank you. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about. You just, in your head. You're not telling it to anybody else, but you're in your head. You're just, and then all of a sudden you get all miserable. You get filled with despair. You get, woe is me. Nothing can be any worse. Blah, blah, you know? Well, I, I, I'm going to be the first to confess I do that. And I have no right to do such a thing. Look at the verse. Look at this verse. Verse 5, then you will look and be radiant. You will look and be radiant. None of this despair and walking around, woe is me, you know, so sad. 
There's none of that. You will be radiant and your heart will throb and swell with joy. Look at that. Your heart will swell with joy. And interesting, I'm going to pick up on the radiant thing next week, which is we're going to skip over to chapter 62 next week, where God actually says that you're going to be like a radiant bride. That's the radiance he's talking about here. Now, here's what I'm saying to you this morning. Listen carefully. Here's what I'm saying to you this morning. When you get the gospel, the radiance of Christ becomes your radiance. The glory of Christ becomes your glory. The beauty of Christ becomes your beauty. You are beautiful in the eyes of God because Christ's beauty is given to you. The righteousness of Christ is given to you so that it's your righteousness. That's the gospel. It's about what God does for us. When God looks at you, he's smitten. He's smitten. He looks at you, and you know why he's smitten? Because the radiance of Jesus is yours, and the glory of Jesus is yours, and the beauty of Jesus is yours, and he looks at you, and he absolutely adores you. Do you see it? No wonder our hearts ought to throb. No wonder we ought to be filled with joy because of what he's done for us. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've been made acceptable and cherished by God. We've been rescued. His sacrificial work cleanses us from all of our sins, and his perfect righteousness is given to us. We're set free from our bondage to sin. We find fulfillment and satisfaction. We could be filled with joy and gratitude when we stop and focus on what the gospel sees us. And let me tell you the good news. Oftentimes, we lose sight of this, especially my generation. My generation very much focused on personal salvation. But I'll tell you, the more I've been studying the Scripture, the more I'm seeing that God has this great, the work of God is far greater than our own individual salvation. God is in the business of restoring everything to himself. You see, all of history is moving to that place where everything is going to be brought back in order and everything is going to be right. Sin is done away with. The consequences, are gone, the consequences of sin are gone forever. There is no more death. There is no more sorrow. There, are, there will be no more mourning. There will be no more tears. Because all of history is moving to this great point of consummation. Listen, beloved, that's the gospel. It's about God causing his peace, his shalom, his flourishing to come. And we get a taste of it now. The fullness of it is yet to come. Taste it now. Because it's yours now and it's mine now. All of history is moving to this point that we get an inheritance. Look at the verse. The wealth of the seas, the riches of the nations, they will be ours. That is the future glory. 
And when you come to the end of God's story, all the way to the very end, to the book of Revelation, the 21st chapter, John is given a vision of the new Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth. And listen, this is Revelation 21, verses 22 to 26. Listen to what he says. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it on that day. The gates will never be shut. For there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. That, my friends, is our future. So what is this light Isaiah's talking about? The lamp in the new Jerusalem. Jesus, the lamb, shining upon us and making us radiant. You've got to put on your gospel lens. I was thinking about this this morning, early, and I started trying to really bring this to bear in my own life, and I started looking at how times I get discouraged and times I get down. And I thought of the message, I, I thought of the question that the psalmist asked himself in Psalm 42 when he said, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? And he gives the answer, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And I'm going to ask you this morning to ask yourself that question. If you're one of these people, you're just downcast in soul. Why? Why so disturbed? Why? I'll give you the answer, and I'm going to give you the great secret of joy. Here's the great secret of joy. Joy and happiness are two entirely different things. Happiness is based on circumstances. I'm, you make me happy when you do what I want you to. You don't make me happy when you don't do what I want you to do. Circumstances. Joy is different. It is this deep, essential quality that is a fruit of the Spirit that comes when we delight in Christ for who Christ is. What did the psalmist say? Why is your soul downcast? Did you notice what he said? He said, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. What is he saying? He's saying, stop and look at Jesus. Stop and look at Jesus. Delight in him. His radiance is yours. His glory is yours. His beauty is yours. His righteousness is yours. Doesn't mean our circumstances are, are going to be easy. Doesn't mean we're always going to be happy. But I'll tell you this, you can have joy that your heart will throb when you turn to the gospel and you preach it to yourself. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Let's pray. This morning, Lord, I pray, I pray for 
people here this morning who are going through times of despair, discouragement. How easy it is for us to forget the gospel. And I pray when we walk, I pray this morning, when we walk out of this, uh, out of this room, we're going to be different because you've changed our status and you've called us to mission and you've given us every reason for inexpressible joy because of what you've done for us and your son. Help us to get our eyes on him, not our circumstances. Help us to delight in him for who he is and rejoice in him for who he is. And God, help us to be faithful in our calling because we know that our hope is found in you. And so this morning, may we turn to you and look to you and find our joy. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms, in the arms of my dear Savior. Oh, there are 10,000 charms. Oh, Jesus, let us see you. For we make this prayer in your name. Amen. Do you need prayer for something or someone in your life? First Presbyterian Church offers a prayer service each Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock. Our prayer ministers will quietly intercede for you or anyone you're representing who needs prayer.